Welcome to the Newsbeat Podcast, where we examine critical issues of social justice. Each episode features interviews with prominent writers, educators, thought leaders, and activists, and is infused with original music and verses from independent artists. The Newsbeat Podcast, the New York Times Podcast Club Pick of the Week in January 2018, and featured podcast on Best of the Left. Here's your host, Manny Faces. Hey, everybody. This is Manny Faces, producer and host of Newsbeat, a social justice podcast tackling some of the most important and misunderstood issues of our day with hard-hitting journalism, music, and original lyrics. Welcome to another episode. As always, Newsbeat is brought to you by Mori Creative Studios, an inbound marketing and sales retention platinum HubSpot partner agency. Learn what they can do for you and your business at moricreative.com. Now, by now, you've all likely heard of MS-13, a.k.a. Mara Salvatrucha, the notoriously violent international criminal gang with strong presences on Long Island, New York, in Los Angeles, California, Washington, D.C., and Central America, specifically El Salvador. You've probably heard about its weapons of choice, machetes, and some of its victims, many just teenagers, some even as young as two. You've likely heard of the gang's gruesome methods as well, terrorizing, torturing, and mutilating even its youngest victims before butchering them to death. In fact, most of what you know about MS-13 and its sinister deeds, you've likely heard from President Trump. The brutal slayings of 17 teenagers and young adults within 18 months on Long Island prompted a public visit by Trump in July of 2017, in which he described some of its suburban neighborhoods as, quote, blood-stained killing fields, before touting his infamous U.S.-Mexico border wall, a plan to hire another 10,000 immigration and customs enforcement agents, hundreds more immigration judges, and vowing to help law enforcement, quote, eradicate the gang. President Trump also dedicated a significant portion of his State of the Union address in January 2018 to MS-13 and featured as his guest of honor there the parents of several Long Island teenagers murdered by the group, again reiterating the need for his southern wall, tougher immigration laws, and calling on Congress to, quote, finally close the deadly loopholes that have allowed MS-13 and other criminals to break into our country. Well, what we're here to tell you are some of the things Trump will never tell you, that MS-13 is an American-made export and that the murderous regime responsible for the slayings and disappearances of tens of thousands of Salvadorans during its civil war, which ultimately led to the creation of MS-13 on American streets, was supported and facilitated by the United States. So of course, we pass the mic to unpack these things. Illuminating all this for us in this episode is Pulitzer Prize-winning investigative journalist and author Raymond Bonner. There's a direct link between that war and U.S. support for that war and the situation today with MS-13 and the gangs. Jose Miguel Cruz, current director of research at Florida International University's Kimberly Green Latin American and Caribbean Center. It is an American, it's an American-made gang, right, like many others. And Patrick Young, an immigration attorney, the program director at Kerson, New York, the Central American Refugee Center, and co-founder of the Long Island Civic Engagement Table. This is being depicted as a war against MS-13, but the people who are mostly being targeted, frankly, are the victims of MS-13. Our very special musical guest for this episode is a critically acclaimed revolutionary hip-hop group, Rebel Diaz, with a special guest appearance from Cruz Control from the legendary El Salvadoran group Reyes del Bajo Mundo. Okay, everyone, here it is. This is MS-13, made in the USA. 
Interestingly enough, I've just come back from El Salvador and talked to a lot of people about MS-13 and the gangs, and it's quite interesting in many ways. And the relationship to American policy, America's role in El Salvador, it's hard, if I may, for your generation to realize this, but in 1980s, El Salvador was as big a foreign policy issue as Syria, Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan are today. Think about it. I mean, it is as big. It was front page in the New York Times, the Washington Post, and led the evening news for much of the decade of the 80s. The American embassy in San Salvador was as large as the embassy in New Delhi. The amount of aid, money, going into El Salvador in that period, hundreds of millions of dollars, was number three behind Israel and Egypt. And it's hard. This is a, was a country of three million people, the size of New Jersey, or as the ambassador used to say, you can see the entire country from a helicopter. So it's hard to realize how important it was. President Reagan said, this is where we are going to draw the line in the sand against the spread of communism. This was during the Cold War. Nicaragua, neighboring to the country to the south, had had a leftist revolution overthrowing the Sandinista dictatorship, which had ruled and looted the country for generations with American support. We supported everything. We sent advisors. They brought Salvador officers to the United States for training. The infamous Atlacatl Battalion, which was responsible for many of the massacres, had been trained in the United States. The Atlacatl Battalion carried out a massacre in a place called El Mesote and other villages and um, killed almost a thousand men, women, and children. Worst massacre in Latin American history. Archbishop Romero was assassinated in March 1980, and that was kind of really touched off the war. The archbishop was gunned down as he celebrated mass. He'd become a staunch critic of the military dictatorship's repression of the poor, involving arrest, torture, and death squads. I mean, it had been bubbling ever since the Sandinistas had come to power in Nicaragua, and the left was gaining more power in El Salvador. And then you had, in November, Reagan was elected. And after that, the military, and I've written about this, and it's in the book, the military figured, and the right wing figured, that's it, we can do whatever we want to. And the first thing they did was on, what was Thanksgiving Day in the United States, on that Thursday, they went in and they killed six political, political leaders of the left. And then, on early, in early December, with the killing of the four American church women, three nuns, and one uh, a lay missionary. They were intercepted at the airport, coming back from a conference in Nicaragua, taken to a dirt road, raped, murdered. Their van was burned, and they were buried in a very shallow makeshift grave. U.S. military supplies to the Junta's army against whom these people are fighting were suspended after the brutal murder last December of four American nuns. The Salvadorian judge appointed to look into the case was killed himself on the day his report was due to come out. That report heavily implicated the military in those deaths. A brand new Hughes helicopter, which we filmed secretly in the square of an army-held town called Gotera, 
underlines Mr. Reagan's decision to ignore the deaths of the nuns and resume supplies. More weapons are arriving daily for the very army units that were manning the roadblock at which the sisters disappeared. There's a direct link between that war and U.S. support for that war and the situation today with MS-13 and the gangs. Now, I did not necessarily believe this, and I certainly hadn't reported it. But when I was back there recently, it was the question I asked over and over and over again. Is there a link? I didn't go in with it. In fact, if anything, I didn't think. I thought, oh, you know, that's nice leftist conspiracy theory that the United States is responsible for. This. But they will tell you this. This is what you hear. And it's true. And I've had even American diplomats tell me this. During the war, a lot of young men fled to the United States. Some were deserters from the army. Some were deserters from the guerrillas. And some were even younger, you know, six, eight, nine, ten years old. And their mothers sent them to the United States just to get out of the violence. Or if they were older, they'd, the mothers would send them and they would you know, all, all illegally to the United States because they didn't want them drafted into the army or recruited by the guerrillas. And this is what I learned in my reporting recently. So they get to the United States. No community. They don't belong to anything. They're lost. They're aimless. And they join the gangs. The founders of these gangs in El Salvador, and there's two, MS-13 and 18th Street, were those young men who had come to the United States and gotten involved in gangs in the United States. And then, and then in the 90s, the Clinton administration, much like the Trump administration now, revoked their visas, or whatever they were, the temporary protective status, and sent them back. And they got back, and they had two things. One, what do they know but fighting? What do they know but gang warfare? And they also go back with no skills. So it's ripe recruiting grounds for the gangs. The genesis of the gangs is the policy of the 1980s. Mata, ganga, pandilla, gang, sets, traps, land, bang, same as it ever been. Blame it on the immigrants. Whenever recession hits, find something to sell them with. Fear, black youth that gon' get at you. Bald head and tatted brown bodies are a terror suit. Let the news tell it every year. New menace, high attention, they selling propaganda. Orwellian, centuries of empire, hellfire missiles. Diplomatic gunfire from capitalism, entire people displaced, forced to migrate to the land of the greed, the home of the slaves. Like back in '88, when Theo caught a case, deported back to Watt, the only few things he could take. Faced with rough conditions, you gon' sink or swim with him. And since he wasn't no victim, now he might have joined the ritual. Same script as back in Compton, but in Watt, they just finished civil war. One never know disarmament, armas y drogas, pasan todos los días por frontera, con garantía de la CIA y clientela, mientras Mara, ganga, pandillas are blamed. Gangs, migrantes, the lines get erased. Amnistia pa todos, abolish all the prisons. Fuck talking symptoms, kill capitalism. MS-13 originally was formed in Southern California, in the streets of, of LA. And it was formed by the children of, of Salvadorian and Central American immigrants who were fleeing the wars in Central America, specifically the 
civil war in, in El Salvador. And these groups originally were, were basically kids who hang out together in the LA streets and who attended concerts and basically behaved like any other group of kids, right? Street corner gangs who, you know, will be together for most of the time because their parents will be, will be working. Things started to change in Southern California when California and specifically the police department in, in, in Los Angeles started some crackdowns against gangs. And within these crackdowns, they arrested many kids who were, who have identified already as MS-13, right? They were sent to prisons, and it was in prisons that these groups of kids basically got this identity of sort of criminal gang, uh, because they started to interact with other, other gangs, other criminal gangs. And after that, many of them were deported to El Salvador once the civil war ended. And it was there where the MS-13 expanded, basically following the same path that following in the United States, right? I mean, the governments put them in prisons, and in prisons they were able to network, to get in contact with even more ruthless criminal organizations. In a matter of one decade, almost two decades, it became the gang that is now. It is an American creation. As I said, it was formed originally in the United States. And then because of the conditions, basically it expanded to other countries in the, in the region. But it is an American, it's an American-made gang, right? Like many others. Mara Salvatrucha, better known as MS-13, is considered one of the fastest-growing criminal networks in the world. With at least 30,000 members in Central America and Mexico. The group is involved in drug trafficking, kidnapping, human smuggling, blackmail, and assassinations throughout the region. Federal officials today will announce a breakthrough in the fight against MS-13. Hundreds of accused gang members and associates are under arrest. The Violet Street Gang is from El Salvador, but its mayhem is spreading in American neighborhoods. Together, we're going to restore safety to our streets and peace to our communities. And we're going to destroy the vile criminal cartel, MS-13, and many other gangs. I think there is clear immigration overtones in, in these crackdowns against MS-13, especially because if you, if you think about that, well, uh, MS-13 or the full name of MS-13, which is Mara Salvatrucha, is full of references to, you know, people coming from other places, right? Salvatrucha coming from El Salvador. That basically fits to some extent the profile of what President Trump wants to say that immigrants are dangerous, immigrants are a threat to American communities, but what the data say is very different. Right? The data say that gangs and particularly MS-13 is not as big as it looks, it's not a threat to the extent that the government is saying, and that the threat that they represent in those communities can be handled in a very, very different way. And this breaking news from the Department of Homeland Security, 200,000 Salvadorians, many who have lived in the U.S. since 2001, are being told that they have to leave the country by September 2019 or be deported. The Salvadorans were granted temporary protected status after earthquakes devastated that country 17 years ago, killing a thousand people.
President Trump is under fire for comments that he reportedly made during an Oval Office meeting about immigration. A person briefed on the conversation says that the president grew frustrated today as he talked about protections for immigrants from places like Haiti and El Salvador, as well as countries in Africa, asking lawmakers, why are we having all these people coming from S-hole countries come here? President Trump will announce tomorrow that he is keeping a campaign promise and ending DACA, the Obama-era program that protects undocumented immigrants brought to the U.S. as children from deportation. Now they're going back. Now they're being forced back. A lot of people being forced back who came later after the earthquake or whatever. But they go back and what are they going to do? There's no jobs. So they're recruited into the gangs. It is not safe for any young man who has TPS to go back to El Salvador. He'll be a target of the gangs. You either join us or you're against us. These people fled because of American policy and now they're being sent back. We're worried about the gangs and all we're doing is contributing to the gangs. I mean, the only way you could, might do something. I mean, I said this to somebody, what, what does the United States need to do? Well, the United States probably should pour as much money into the country now as it did during the war. If they poured it into economic development, you might have a chance. But then the, the government forces don't have a chance against these gangs. You know the matter started out in Los Angeles. Civil wars in the 80s was scandalous. The USA ain't want no liberation for guerrillas that was fighting for the freedom of their nation. All over Central America, they had the Contras, who hated revolution because it made the people conscious. In the name of Farabundo Marti, they picked up weapons and set their people free. They had to be stepping, but here come the gringos. They brought the fuego. They brought the evil that killed Oscar Romero. So who's really violent? The gangs or the army? America passava through they didn't harm me. It's quite alarming. Take their jobs and resources. Then you build a wall around your big old fortress. Deport the youngins straight back to the jungle. Back to the place that they left because the struggle life. Mada, ganga, pandilla, gang, sets, traps, land, bang. Same as it ever been. Blame it on the immigrants. Whenever recession hits, find something to sell them with. Mada, ganga, pandillas are blamed. Gangs, migrantes, the lines get erased. Amnitia pa todos, abolish all the prisons. Few communities have suffered worse at the hands of these MS-13 thugs than the people of Long Island. Hard to believe. I grew up on Long Island. I didn't know about this. I didn't know about this. And then all of a sudden, this is like a new phenomena. There had been a small Central American community on Long Island dating back to the 60s, people who came here to work on the large estates. There were still some large estates here. The assassination of the Catholic Archbishop of San Salvador, Archbishop Oscar Romero, on March 24, 1980, was really a, uh, a seminal date in terms of the migration. People felt that if the most respected Catholic leader in the country could be assassinated by the military, that anybody could be killed. Mara Salvatrucha on Long Island developed in the late 1990s, both through some outreach from Los Angeles, but primarily from Salvadorans who, who were coming from El Salvador itself. In many ways, it's a very marginal gang. You know, it doesn't seem to have a business plan. People do not get rich being in Mara Salvatrucha. On the other hand, it has established itself as the most violent gang on Long Island. 
The fact that the president and the attorney general not only talk about Mara Salvatrucha on Long Island, but also come here to talk about it, has really built up their reputation as sort of the badass gang on Long Island and also around the United States. In a lot of ways, it's a reputation that exceeds its actual power. One by one, we're liberating our American towns. Can you believe that I'm saying that? I'm talking about liberating our towns. It's like I'd see in a movie. They're liberating the town. Like in the old Wild West, right? We're liberating our towns. I never thought I'd be standing up here talking about liberating the towns on Long Island, where I grew up. This is being depicted as a war against MS-13, but the people who are mostly being targeted, frankly, are the victims of MS-13. And I think that's something that a lot of Americans don't understand. You know, MS-13 attacks almost exclusively people who are either within the Latino community or the children of Latino immigrants. And we're not seeing the Trump administration reach out to the victims. It's as though you had a, a war on domestic violence that went primarily after the women who are suffering beatings. The unaccompanied children who are the folks who've been most targeted by the Trump administration, both in terms of ICE enforcement and also in the rhetoric of the administration, are actually the kids who did what we wanted them to do. They were children who were approached by Marisalva Trucha for forced recruitment, who said no, and then were not offered any protection at all by the local authorities and fled to the United States. If you could imagine what it's like for a 12-year-old to make a trip north to the United States, often unaccompanied by any close family members or relatives, you can imagine the kind of terror that these kids had of being killed or even worse, being forced to carry out crimes by Marisalva Trucha. So these are kids who said no, they arrived here and they were thrown into jail and that was during the Obama administration, finally released, and now we're seeing some of the same kids being rounded up by ICE, even though they're fulfilling all their obligations under the immigration laws. Rounded up by ICE, taken from their families, and in a couple of dozen cases actually shipped to detention in California. A federal judge ordered the release of almost two dozen of these children. And it, it tells you that the type of treatment that we're according them, both under the Obama administration and even worse under the Trump administration, really flies in the face of American national interests and of basic humanity. You know, in the past, there might be a raid, it might set off some fears within the community, but right now, if you're a Central American immigrant living on Long Island, you're living in almost constant fear. And the untold story is that most of the Central Americans who live here have United States citizen children who are here as well. And these children are living in terror as well. The world's most dangerous gang ain't nothing but young immigrant men Caught in the middle of a conflict only few understand Forced to leave their homeland Driven now by the politics of Uncle Sam The Reagan Doctrine Ask Oliver North Who funded the paramilitary in El Salvador Who funded mass killings, the death of Monsignor Then armed the government only to shed more blood Fast forward to the 90s, LA the corridor The dream that you were sold, it wasn't what you saw You saw street violence that leaves you in awe a different type of war, get on Amex versus breaking the law, breaking the door, your ass hits the floor, the ink on your face makes you guilty by the fall, claiming MS affiliations and they're ready to deport, now you become profit for the prisons and the corporate courts, the ones who change the laws to hunt our people like a sport. 
Armada, ganga, pandilla, gang, sets, traps, land, bang. Same as it ever been. Blame it on the immigrants. Whenever recession hits, find something to celebrate. Mada, ganga, pandillas are blamed. Gangs, migrantes, the lines get erased. Amnistia pa todo, abolish all the prisons. Fuck talking symptoms, kill capitalism. The Newsbeat Podcast is owned by Newsbeat, Inc. Visit us at usnewsbeat.com. The producer and host of Newsbeat is Manny Faces. Our editor-in-chief is Christopher Taworski. Newsbeat's managing editor is Rashed Meehan. The executive producer of Newsbeat is Jed Morey. Our podcast and website are co-produced and managed by Morey Creative Studios. Newsbeat relies on listener support and grants. Artists that appear on the podcast are compensated for original material. To support Newsbeat or contribute to our Artist-in-Residence program, visit us at usnewsbeat.com and click on support. Subscribe to Newsbeat by Maury Creative Studios wherever you download your podcasts by searching for Newsbeat.